Today's show brought to you by Redcon1.com. That's right. Click the link at the bottom of the podcast app in which you are listening to this on. Check them out. Use promo code T20 Quartermist. That's right. Redcon1.com. There's nothing special about being American. None of you can define for me what an American is. I am the nation. I was born on July 4th, 1776, and the Declaration of Independence is my birth certificate. The bloodlines of the world run in my veins because I offered freedom to the oppressed. I am many things and many people. I am the nation. I am 200 million living souls and the ghost of millions who have lived and died for me. I am Nathan Hale and Paul Revere. I stood at Lexington and fired the shot heard around the world. Washington, Jefferson, Patrick Henry. I'm John Paul Jones, the Green Mountain Boy, Davy Crockett. I'm Lee. Coming to you from the D Tom Studios in the free state of Florida, sponsored by Megas Mark Bourbon. This is Don't Tread on America. I am your host and glad to be back. Don Q, how's everybody doing out there today? Man, I have got a lot of apologies to give to you, and um, I'm going to make a lot of excuses. And uh, I don't mean to make excuses, but you know what? It is what it is. Today is, what is today? Today is Wednesday, December 14th, 2022. I know it's been a few days. Um, last show I did was Thursday, um, I think that was the 8th of December, and I, I did a shorter show, it was like 45 minutes long, and I left it with a cliffhanger, saying, okay, tomorrow I'll be back and I'm going to talk about what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, and I got extremely sick on Friday, this, uh, this freaking medicine they had me on, I tell you what. I'm about over it. I was, I went to work, felt fine, and then I, I got so sick. Uh, I, I it was a just a horrible weekend. I couldn't do anything. Started feeling better on Monday. Uh, my uh, my wife was off, and I was like, I'll just do the show on Tuesday, and I'll do another one on Wednesday got sick again yesterday i'm like i'm done i'm done with the medicine i'm sorry god's just gonna have to go ahead and take me anyway so i feel better today because i didn't take any of my medicine and i'm here so you're welcome i guess so with that being said guys please uh whatever podcast app you're listening to this on please subscribe to the app it doesn't cost you anything if you already have Spotify or Apple Podcast or Google Play or Stitcher. Let me think. What else are we are we on? We're on iHeart and Podbeam and whatever. We're pretty much on everything except for Pandora. If you're on any of those particular apps, they didn't cost you anything to download them to your phone. <clears throat> and it's just as well it won't cost you anything to subscribe to the show. Really, what you're doing at that point is helping me out. You already listen to the show. You obviously like it. 
So if you can just hit that subscribe button and help me out, help grow the show for, you know, God only knows. <laughs> I hate to say it and be like this, but I, I really don't know how much longer we're going to be around to do these things because, um, I mean, you know, I, I don't mind talking about it because it doesn't really bother me as much as it bothers my family. But I've been riding this train of cancer for uh, 14 years now. Uh, when I first was diagnosed, I was told I'd have five to seven years. So uh, I've, I've gotten my bonus period. So I really don't care. I mean, I don't want to die. I don't want to, you know, leave my family and, and grandkids and whatnot. But, um, you know, I also don't want to be sick all the time. So, you know, kind of is what it is. So, anywho. Help me out. Make the show a legacy. Uh, share this with your friends. Try to bring you guys some good information. I'm going to try and do these shows as consistently as I can. And, and with that being said, what we're going to do, what I'm going to do, I should say, I've been talking to Chris, and, uh, <laughs> you know, in searching and listening to other podcasts, you know, you'll see some guys, or folks, I shouldn't say guys, it's, you know, you have some gals out there doing shows too, but they do these shows, and they'll do a 10-minute, 20-minute, you know, little show, you know, but whatever the topic is. And I said, you know, I need to get into doing that. So if I do feel good for 20 minutes, I can get on here and just riff for 20 minutes about some bullshit. So Chris came up with the idea, well, you can call it the, uh, you know, still call it Don't Tread on America. It's still going to be on this channel. But we'll call it the uh, Get Off My Lawn segment of the show. Because I have a lot of time. Obviously, if you've listened to the show for a period of time, this is episode, what, 211, 212, whatever it is. Um... You you obviously, if you listen to a, a, the last hundred shows, I have moments where I go off on certain situations. And it is a get-off-my-lawn type moment. Yeah, get off my lawn, you damn kids. You know, those type, what really grinds my gears, you know, type things. So, and obviously, I'm full of those things. So, I'm going <laughs> to do a, a smattering of, of get-off-my-lawn segments. So, you might see a... 20-minute podcast. You're like, what the fuck is this about? Trust me when I tell you it's going to be some funny shit. If you want to agree to disagree or agree to agree, it's going to be good. So just be looking out for those in the future. They'll probably start coming here pretty soon because it'll be easy for me to do those 20-minute, 15-minute little segments of whatever's bothering me right then. So, anywho... On to the story that I wanted to get to on Friday. Now, fortunately, or unfortunately, I don't know where we want to place these, this at, but I'll say this, is the subject I have to talk about, to me, is, is something to talk about. And the fact that nobody's really talking about it, it's kind of been a blip here and there, and you may have heard about what I'm going to say, but... But why aren't they making, as much as they want to stroke the cock of, of Zelensky, why aren't they, why isn't mainstream media making a bigger deal of what I'm going to talk about today? And we'll get into that here in a little bit. Before we do, I want to remind you of our other sponsor of the show, uh, Christian Lawson Watches. 
Check them out at ChristianLawson.com. Use promo code DTOM at checkout to get 30% off your purchase price. Now, like I said the other day, you probably have already uh, missed the boat on uh, getting anything for Christmas, but uh, uh, what is it? Valentine's Day. I'm sorry. The, you know, I'm just kind of fried, brain, brain fried here with the... I'm having a Fetterman moment, I guess you could say. But nonetheless, um, you got Valentine's Day, not too far along. So uh, check them out at christianlawson.com. Use promo code DTOM, that's D-T-O-M, at checkout. Get 30% off your uh, purchase price. All right. All right. So what I'm talking about is this. Uh, Voldemir Zelensky has been named Time Magazine's Person of the Year. Now, (laughs) that's a big deal. Um, but it's not only that. I think in Australia, like their their version of Time Magazine, People Magazine, uh, some Financial Times Magazine, there's been like four or five different publications that have named this man Person. You know, used to be Man of the Year, but you know, God forbid we offend anybody. So now it's Persons of the Year. So why? So, okay, so whatever, whatever, whatever you want to say. We can we're, we can have that argument argument about Ukraine and Russia and Putin and whatever. We can have that argument. I'm fine with that. My question is this: Have you heard what I just told you? Have you heard that Zelensky's been named Man of the Year on these different publications? If you have not heard that, you have to ask yourself why. Why have you not heard that? And the reason I ask you that is not because I'm mad. Not that I'm mad that you haven't heard it. Damn it, Zelensky, he's paid his due. He's fighting a war. He's over there with a gun in his hand. The reason I'm projecting this anger towards the fact that you haven't heard about it is this. For, what, 10 months, all we've heard is poor Zelensky. And look at this guy. He's been thrust upon as a, look, he's a hero. He's he's this and he's that. He's Churchill. He's Roosevelt all rolled into one, right? Why, if that's the case, why aren't they blowing this out of proportion? Instead, what have you heard about the last couple of days since they named this? Oh, Brittany Griner's gotten out. And then the biggest thing, biggest thing that kind of is really covering the news is the whole um, Twitter dump. Now, for those of you that that listen to the show consistently, I have this segment that I do occasionally. I don't do it all the time, but occasionally, and it's this thing right here. News of the obvious with your host, BCGC. Right. So that's, in my opinion, these Twitter dumps is news of the obvious. Oh, shocker. They're actually... coming out with the fact that Twitter has has been <laughs> uh, silencing uh, conservatives, has been shadow banning conservatives, has been deleting uh, profiles. I am one of those people. I had a profile on Twitter. Uh, I had been on Twitter since Twitter was born. So however long that's been, I couldn't even tell you, 2010, 2008, whatever, uh, that was my first social media uh, profile was Twitter. I had that before I had a Facebook. Okay? And what happened 
last year. Oh, they deleted my, my uh, no reason. And it's still deleted. It's still deleted. I check it probably once a week just out of curiosity. Now, I didn't have a million of followers, but I had quite a few followers on that page. Right? And why do you think I got deleted? Obviously, because my tweet. I didn't go out there promoting violence. I didn't say anything about January 6th. I had a hashtag in my profile that got me suspended. In my opinion, got me suspended. So, this to me is not news of the obvious. Now, the thing that makes me mad about the whole Twitter dump situation is, who gives a fucking shit? I'm sorry, excuse my French, but really, who cares? Nothing's going to get done about it. You can sit there and say James Baker this and uh, Jack Dorsey that and so on and so forth. You can name all these freaking names and you can say that these people did these things. Who gives two shits? Because you know why? This would be the get off the lawn, get off my lawn segment of the show, guys. (laughs) Who gives a shit? Because nothing's going to happen. When this first started rolling out, when we first started hearing about the Twitter stuff, And I told you guys, my wife says, what does it matter? They're not going to do anything about it. True. She's right. But it can dominate the news cycle. Because everyone's like, we knew it. We knew it. Okay, we knew it. Who cares? I told you guys on on, uh, Thursday when we were talking about the, uh, the digital currency situation. Why hadn't you heard about the thing that the Federal Reserve was doing? The New York Federal Reserve was doing? How? Why haven't you heard about that? Oh, it just so happened to fall on the same time that Biden was in China and Pelosi announced her retirement and Trump announced he was running for president and so on and so forth. There was other things that the media, and I'm not saying CNN or MSNBC, the media, all of them, Fox, all of them, every single one of them, dominated your news cycle by... You're fucking you with this bullshit instead of stuff that really concerned you. Who cares? Who who cares <laughs> that Biden was fucking stroking off damn Xi Jinping? Who cares? Who cares that Nancy Pelosi's retiring? It's about fucking time, right? Who cares that Donald Trump's running for president? Once again, I go back to the, oh, Donald Trump's running for office. News of the obvious. With your host, PCGC. Right? (laughs) Did we not know that was coming? Who cares? What I care about is the government, the powers that be, shoving digital currency up our ass. I don't care about Twitter doing whatever they did. Because who cares? Are you arresting these people? No, you're not. So who cares? What I care about is... And this is going to sound funny, but why why aren't we talking about Zelensky winning person of the year? Okay? So Time Magazine's named Zelensky, the Ukrainian leader whose attempt to fight off Russian invasion of his country has won widespread acclaim as person of the year alongside the spirit of Ukraine. Whether the battle for the Ukraine fills one with hope or fear, Volodymyr Zelensky galvanized the world in a way we haven't seen in decades. Edward Filthers... I'll say his name. Felsenthal. Felsenthal. Uh, Editor-in-chief of Time explained on Wednesday. This was last Wednesday. In the weeks after Russian bombing began on February 24th, his decision not to flee Kiev but to stay and rally support was faithful. 
from his first 40-second Instagram post on February 25th. Because that's what we do now. We fight wars on Instagram, you know, or Twitter. Showing that his cabinet and civil society had, were intact and in place. To daily speeches delivered remotely in likes of housings of parliament and the, and the World Bank. <laughs> there you go. Um, and, the, and the Grammy Awards. Ukraine's president was everywhere. Zelensky unlikely career path has taken him from comedic actor to wartime president in the in the space of only a few years. He became president of Ukraine, blah, 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 who cares? Um, right. So, but the interesting thing is this. So you go through the list of the people that have been named Time Magazine's person or man of the year, right? And some of those names include Nixon, who won it twice, Okay, well, you know, we what do we know about Nixon, right? Bush Sr., who won it, and we did a show. We did a, well, and, and Son Bush won it, too. Um, I guess he won it for getting the towers torn down in New York. I don't know. But what do we know about the Bushes? Of course, they were going to win it. Um, let's see. Stalin won it. You know, he only killed like 30 million of his own people. Uh, oh, and Adolf Hitler won it in 1938, interestingly enough. So, time explained what was perhaps the most controversial, controversial of its choices of Hitler, you know, becoming the, in 1938, the greatest threatening force that democratic freedom, love, and worlds face today. This was uh, January of 1939. Uh, Hitler's rise began in 1919 when he joined the German Workers' Party, which was renamed the Nazi Party. Within uh, two years, he was the party's leader. In 1939, Hitler became Chancellor of Germany and soon co uh, consolidated his power, banning all other parties. Now, this is important. Banning all other parties and established totalitarian rule. Uh, and he put... The unemployment, unemployed to work in their public programs, rebuilt the army, sent Jews, communists, and others to uh, concentration camps. On September 1st of 39, Hitler began World War II, invading Poland, false flag. Um, by 1941, German troops had begun to bog down in Russia. And in 1944, allies began to advance in Germany. Okay, so now he was named Times Man of the Year. Because, well, let me let me read on in here. Now, this is also in time. So it's hard to think of Adolf Hitler as a thing of flesh, viscera, bone, and blood. A functioning organism like the rest of us. Someone who breathed and ate and slept and sweated. He wasn't a functioning organism for long. Just 56 years from his birth on uh, April 2420, man... 1889 to his self-inflicted death in 1945 but he lived continues to live as a specter for much much longer in a sense he lived even before he lived as the thing of dread the monster in the cave the creature down the well the prof professed power that would one day plunge humanity into a mortal struggle for its own survival. Such mythical, mythical 
figures have emerged in all cultures in all centuries, and then in the 20th, one emerged for real. In the decades since his physical death, Hitler has lived on in a similar way. As a moral pouch, I'm sorry, moral pouch, moral touchpoint, a perverse gold standard for all that is wicked, all that is murderous. He is in concept turned human, evil made flesh. He is in the simplest and most straightforward way we can put it, the worst person who has ever lived. Really, think about it. Who could be worse? Uh, PCGC, no. <laughs> yes, we lived inside our current and recent history. So, that, that has now, or what is still near, looms larger, closer than things can in a more distant past. That includes our monsters, too. So was Caligula, actually the worst person who ever lived. First century Romans probably thought so. <clears throat> Genghis Khan, whose 12th century wars were thought to have killed as many as 40 million people. Many uh, have been the dark icon of that era. Ivan the Terrible did not come by his uh, descriptors by accident, especially after the infamous massacre of the city-state of Novgorod in uh, 1570, which saw up to 60,000 people claimed by the dictator's bloodshed. The deaths Hitler authorized, however, were different. They were me uh, mechan uh, mechanized, industrial, animated by a madman's hate of Jews, Roma, gays, the disabled, and enabled by the modern technological infrastructure Mayo, or Mao Zedong and Joseph Stalin may or may not have claimed more lives, but at least some unknown millions of them were caused by famine. The rest of inept execution of flawed ideology. Hitler's killings were intended, effectively premeditated. 11 million counts of first-degree murder in the Holocaust alone, never mind the battlefields and the bomb cities. Hitler appeared on the cover of Time multiple occasions, but famously on January 2 of 1939, where he was named Man of the Year. That choice abided by dictum of Time founder Henry Luce, who decreed that the Man of the Year, now the Person of the Year, is not honor, but instead should be a distinction applied to the newsmaker who most influenced world events for better or worse. In case that second dissertation uh, has lost on readers, the issue that named Hitler dispensed with the portrait over uh, the cover subject typicals got... Instead, he was uh, depicted as a tiny figure with his black back to the viewer, um, playing a massive organ with a murder victim spinning on a St. Cathedral's wheel. Underneath the stark black and white illustration of the caption, uh, from the unholy organist of him, the late. So, um, so you look at the cover of Hitler's um, being on Time Magazine. So he's on the cover, like I just described. Now, if you look at the cover of Time where Zelensky's on, it's it's a similar thing. He's not playing the organ, but he's surrounded by the people of Ukraine. Now, you could sit there and say, okay, Don, you're making a stretch. You're saying, okay, well, Zelensky was, was uh, you know, Time person of the year. Um, let me, let me look at this. 
So let's see. Uh, here we go. Times Persons of the Year list. Okay, so you you can make the argument that I'm making a stretch, and and, and I'll 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 say this about that. You're wrong and you're stupid and you can kiss my butt. No. Now what I'm what I'm getting at is this. So how long has time been doing this? Let's let me scroll down here. So. Uh, the first one I have on here, whether that was how long they've been doing this, is 1927. Okay, so you had Charles Lindbergh. I get it, cross the ocean, plane, whatever. Walter Chrysler, for whatever reason, I don't know why he was important in 1928. Uh, whether it was because he maybe the Chrysler Building, maybe I don't know. Owen D. Young, have no idea who that is. Mahatma Gandhi. Uh, so you, you get that one. Pierre Laval, have no idea who that is. Franklin D. Roosevelt, who was he? He was something. No, he he won it in thirty-two and in thirty-four. I mean, that's pretty obvious reasons. Uh, Hugh uh, Hugh uh, Johnson, I don't know who that is. Hallie Salise, I have no idea who that is. Uh, woman of the year. She was this person was the first woman of the year. Wallace Simpson, and uh, they had a man and wife of the year, and this was Song Ming Li from China, and then oh, it was and and also Chang Kang I don't know who those people are anyway. Thirty eight. So this is where the wheels kind of came off on <laughs> Time Magazine. 1938, you had Adolf Hitler. 39, you had Joseph Stalin. Okay, so Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin. Okay, 39 at the time, I guess, was... Uh, was was a considered a quote-unquote good guy because we didn't really know what we didn't know. Winston Churchill, that's obvious. Again, Dwight, or I'm sorry, uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt, once again, obvious. But then here we go again, 1942, with Joseph Stalin. Okay. Uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower, Truman, George Marshall, Harry S. Truman again, Winston Churchill. He he was the man of the half century. Uh, Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth. Um, I'm just kind of scrolling through here. These names that pop out. Nikita Khrushchev. Charles de Gaulle. Uh, Kennedy. Pope John. Lyndon B. Johnson. So then you start looking at some of these names. Lyndon B. Johnson won, won it twice. In 64, that was because he killed Kennedy. And then in 67, because he didn't run again? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Richard Nixon won it twice. Henry Kissinger. So if you really look at some of these names that are on here, you can really dive deep into the the background of these people. But nonetheless, so I'm sitting here comparing Zelensky to one. Why am I not comparing Zelensky to, to Ronald Reagan? Right, you could say, why aren't you, you know, comparing him to, you know, Donald Trump? One Time Magazine's Person of the Year. You're not comparing him. I guarantee, if you go back and on a podcast somewhere, 
in 2016 when Trump won Person of the Year for 2016. I guarantee you someone did a podcast comparing him to to Hitler. And you could make the same argument. Well, how come they didn't compare him to, to, to Reagan? Why didn't they you know, compare him to whoever? This is why I compare him to Hitler. So this came out on Thursday, the day that I was that I did the digital currency show and the and the day prior to me doing wanting to do the show. I was gonna do it on the ninth. So <laughs> Zelensky's cabinet is devising ways to punish Christians. Now I did a show a few months ago. On, on the Russia-Ukraine um, war. And I talked about the things that Zelensky's doing in Ukraine. Uh, One-party si- system. Um, you're either in or you're out. Uh, news media. There's no multiple-channel news media. It's kind of like a one-channel. It's kind of like a state-run media. Now, this is a guy who was an actor, who was a comedian who I don't know what their constitution in Ukraine is and what their what they have as far as free speech and stuff like that goes but I would assume as a as an artist whether you're singing or talking or an actor comedian whatever think of comedians in this country a lot of them do and say whatever in the hell they want for the most part I mean they might get canceled they might not uh, I don't know that he was a comedian in the sense of like a Dave Chappelle. I think he was more. I was watching this little montage they had of him talking about comedian, comedian actor turned president. So you could sit there and say, "Oh, that's crazy." Okay, well, you could also say, "Well, look at Trump, look at Reagan." You know what I'm saying? But like, Trump was a businessman slash I wouldn't even really call him an actor. Yeah, he was on TV, but he was on a reality show. It's not like he was Donald Trump playing, you know, Billy Johnson. He was Donald Trump being Donald Trump. Uh Ronald Reagan would probably be the closest depiction in the sense that uh, you know, he was a legitimate actor. I will also say that the difference between the two is Reagan didn't go from actor to president. He went from actor to to uh, a uh, like a spe- not I don't want to say a speaker, but you know he was he turned into a politician, but not necessarily. He didn't go straight into to presidency. Like he was uh, like a pact. He ran you know he run committees in California, and then he ended up running for governor, being a governor of California. Ran for president, I think in seventy six or seventy two. I can't recall. Lost. Right. And then ran again in 80 and one. So it's um, this guy literally went from being an actor today to being president tomorrow. And then you watch him and his type of comedy or acting wasn't like a uh, Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was like a Western. You know, he did like football movies. He did like all American type movies. You know, Zelensky's doing like sketch comedy. To me, seem more like a like if Adam Sandler were to run for president, and President Sandler. I mean, I, that to me, to watch what I watched of of um, Zelensky, you know, playing the piano with his with his wiener, and just some of the different sketch stuff he was doing on like a kind of a version of what Saturday Night, 
Saturday Night Live would be. And, of course, that was a comedy troupe like a Saturday Night Live or the Second City-type players. They did sketch comedy. Um, so, I mean, yeah. So, you know, whatever you think of the war in Ukraine, it's pretty simple. It's pretty clear that Zelensky has no interest in freedom and democracy. In fact, Zelensky is is far closer to Lenin than George Washington. He is a dictator. He is a dangerous authoritarian who has used a hundred billion dollars in U.S. tax money to erect one of one political party's police state in Ukraine, and that's not an overstatement. Over the past year, Zelensky has banned opposition parties. He shut down critical media by force. He's arrested his political opponents. He sent soldiers into churches and arrested dozens of priests for no justifiable reason whatsoever. And in clear violation of the Ukrainian constitution, which no longer matters, and in the face of this, the Biden administration has said nothing, not one word. Last week, he announced his weak um, to ban an entire religion, the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, and to seize its property, all for being insufficiently loyal to his regime. A free country does not ban a major religion just because it's not fully on board with the political program of the people running the country. But Zelensky is doing that, and his cabinet is now devising ways to punish Christians for practicing their banned ancient religion in Ukraine. Personal, economic, and restrictive sanctions will be applied to any Christian caught worshiping in unapproved ways. In May, George W. Bush, the great defender if Christianed, met with Zelensky on a Zoom call and afterward described him as Winston Churchill of our time, a man who should be praised for his commitment to liberty. So, where is George Bush on the question now that his friend, the quote-unquote George Washington of Ukraine, has banned a form of Christianity in that country? Well, George Bush usually, like most of these guys, are silent, as well so as many reportedly Christian members of Congress. They're backing Zelensky no matter how many Christians he arrests, no matter how many churches he seizes. So... If they'll defend a man who shut down opposition media, arrested his political opponent, opponents, arrest priests, sent the army into monasteries, and then banned a religion, if they'll defend all of that and call it liberty, they'll defend anything. So, that's what I'm talking about. That is very Hitler-esque in the sense that Here's a person, here's a dictator who, I, I don't know what the official uh, religion of Ukraine is. Let me see if I can look that up. I was kind of hoping this would have been easy, but as usual, per my life, it is not. Let's see, official religion, oops, not on, religion of Ukraine. Ukraine. 
Crane. Okay. <laughs> well, the funny, the the interesting thing is, Orthodox is sixty. Well, as of as of um, two thousand sixty six percent. Um. So they're essentially. What is the uh, religious landscape of Ukraine? Surveys estimate a large majority of Ukraine's population is Orthodox, which simply significant minority of Ukraine Catholics who worship with a uh, Byzantine ligurity, similar to Orthodox, but are loyal to the Pope. So, um, I, I don't know that they're necessarily... Because the way I understand it is it's more of a situation of this orthodoxy. I so I'm not I might be a little confused if there's two versions of orthodoxed um what the difference is because this saying with a significant minority of Ukrainian Catholics who worship with a Byzantine liturgy similar to that of the Orthodox, but are faithful to the Pope. So I would assume that Ukrainian Catholics are, oops, sorry, there's a microphone there. How about that? Would be the ones that they're targeting because Orthodox is 66% of the, of the, of the religion there. So I'd pretty much be, you know, <laughs> two thirds of your, your people, which once again, would not be a shock, but it's probably these Ukrainian Catholics. If I had to guess more so, even though it's still Orthodox, it's just a different sect of of that religion at any rate and then and then here's another thing and this is another reason why i'm kind of hell-bent on twitter and the whole the whole uh twitter dump thing okay so the whole thing about the twitter dump is that what do we hear oh well they're shadow banning they're they're you know uh what, what was it de-accelerating tweets and they're doing this and they're doing that and you know, making hashtags, whatever. Here's the thing. They're doing it now. Okay, so there was a tweet, or there was, I shouldn't say a tweet, but there was a hashtag trending, or what should have been trending, on the 8th of um, December. Now, that hashtag is Zelensky War Criminal. So, if you ever pay attention to Twitter, if you ever go to Trends, it has what's what's trending in categories that you like. It has what's trending in national categories. Excuse me, national categories, and then it might be news, sports, so on and so forth. And then it'll say, uh, you know, whatever's trending. The you know this water bottle's trending. Why is this water bottle trending? Because there's been two thousand tweets about that water bottle. And the only reason I said that's because I'm drinking water. <laughs> um. That tw- that hashtag had over a thousand tweets. There was a thousand tweets with that hashtag in it. So why would you suppose that if that's trending and it should be on Twitter, I should be able to go to the trends and it should be one of the top 10, 15 trending hashtags. Not there. Now, the only reason I happened to find it was because I started, no, is because I was like, no, let me search, let me search Zelensky, and that popped up. Zelensky war criminal, 1,000 tweets in the last hour. Last hour. I was like, what the fuck? How is this not trending? 
So then you start reading the stuff, and I start finding videos. So I found this. Now, this is kind of a com compilation of different situations. The first thing you're going to hear is Brett Baer from, from Fox News, and then it just goes into different situations. I'll try and talk my way through it if need be. The Azov Battalion that is said to be Nazi-affiliated organization operating as a militia in your country. What should Americans know about that unit? So Azov was one of those many battalions. They are what they are. The presence of neo-Nazis in Ukraine is nothing to be concerned about, according to mainstream outlets in the U.S., despite reporting on it themselves just a few years ago. Now, during this video, it's, you see a bunch of... forces inside Ukraine who just don't see You see a bunch of these uh, soldiers with as equal. swastikas and whatnot doing Heil Hitlers and... It's a revival of the um, Indo-European soul, and it's all happening here in Ukraine. They're openly neo-Nazi. Congress in 2018 banned any listen. U.S. assistance to Azov, but all of a sudden, since the February invasion, it's like all that recent history is forgotten. So, uh, thank you for your heroism and for the record that you've shown. The Ukrainian Azov soldier was seen openly brandishing Nazi symbols. The fighter is also giving talks to middle school students across the U.S. The official symbol of Azov is a version of Volksangel. It was one of the um, symbols of one of uh, SS division during the World War II. On this huge fucking TV screen, <laughs> he, had, he had a fucking desktop photo of fucking Adolf Hitler. <laughs> stage, if the globalists want to win, they'll use anything and anyone to win. These are the guys I'm fighting with. These guys will fight and die for their country. That includes neo-Nazis. Do they use different imagery? Sure. They're no longer willing to say we will not send weaponry to Nazis. Down to over $300 million. And uh, there's, no time, there's no time to walk away from Ukraine. Okay, so now this part is, is Zelensky when he was the comedian guy. I'm just going to read the... the um, the captioning, because he, he's obviously speaking in Ukraine. Yeah. Right? So if you can, please send me Hitler's book, Mein Kampf. They're all sold out here. Ha ha ha. Somebody I do morning exercises on the, on the balcony, and he's doing the Heil Hitler. So it's ha 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 ha. But is it? Now, in 2016... And now this was prior to Zelensky being president, but the Azov Battalion still exists. We, Congress, passed a law saying we would not give money to Ukraine and not fund these people, but here we are. So let me read this, or let me not read this, but let me play this. And this will give you a little it's more not just fake stories. light. It's the stories that they choose not to tell. Since the start of the conflict in 2014, Western media have often turned a blind eye to mass civilian casualties, atrocities and war crimes committed by the Ukrainian military and nationalist neo-Nazi battalions against the civilian population of Donbass. Thousands of people, including many children, have been killed over this period and continue to fall victim to Ukrainian aggression to this day. So, 
why do such tragedies go largely unnoticed by Western mainstream media? We've spoken to the authorities in charge of issuing accreditations to all media, both Russian and foreign. Now, their answer is simple. Western media is absent from Donbass. The main foreign media, such as the BBC or CNN, were here a long time ago. The last time the BBC was here was the spring of 2016. Since then they haven't been present here, they haven't got official accreditation, and therefore they aren't working here. I know they work in a conflict zone, but on the Ukrainian side of the front line. So they can't be objective about what's happening in the Donetsk Republic, as they don't work here. RT has been on the ground here in Donetsk and Lugansk republics from the get-go. Over this period, we've seen and communicated with journalists from all over the world, most of whom have come here without any predetermined agenda. However, the presence of the so-called heavy hitters, such as the BBC and CNN, is something rare to the region. They prefer to cover the events from a distance while trying to convince their viewers of their so-called Objectivity. Roman Kosarev, RT, Donetsk Republic. So we're funding these battalions, these Nazi battalions, when we passed a law six years ago saying that we would not do that, but yet here we are. Now, um, you know, the interesting thing is where have we seen this before? Where have we seen situations where we're, quote, unquote, helping somebody out? And then that somebody ends up becoming somebody else. Or is it a situation where we don't, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to kind of contradict myself, but whatever. Is it a situation where we don't know what we don't know? Or is it we do know and we're just, it's like the greater evil. It's like the uh, enemy of my friend uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend you know back in the 80s we gave weaponry we gave a ton of weaponry to a group in um in Afghanistan who later became uh the ISIS and the Taliban while well, Taliban was in in uh, Afghanistan and then in in uh, Iraq we gave the Iraqi freedom fighters a ton of weaponry. They became ISIS. So is it that we're that fucking stupid that we don't know who we're giving these weapons to? Or we feel that they're not that dangerous and they're kind of fighting a fight that we don't want to have to fight? So we'll give them the stuff? And I think that's probably the case. But here's a situation where you have a, a hashtag trending. Now, I'm not saying that you they're going to arrest anybody over a hashtag. I'm not saying that. But there's videos on top of videos on top of videos out of the uh, eastern portions of the Ukraine, which, whatever, whatever, it's still Ukraine. And these are military. They're finding <laughs> Ukrainian markings on these rockets, they're watching, I played a video a while back where the nurse at the hospital said they were Ukrainian soldiers and they killed those people right in front of the hospital. And they weren't Russians. They weren't Russian soldiers. They, they were Ukrainian citizens. I'm telling you right now, when I, when I tell you this, and let me play this one other video. I'm not sure what the sound is on this, but let me play it. 
Есть раненые люди. Есть раненые люди, оказывают первую медицинскую помощь. Улица Челюскинцев, 117. Скоты, сука, по-другому не. So this was a missile launch, missile strike on a, a rocket strike on a, it looks like an apartment building. Uh, looks like there was a couple people out front, fire, um, and the guy was saying that it, this was done by Ukrainian, by the Azov Battalion. Um, and of course, you know, I love reading the comments. If Russia never started the genocidal, uh, geno genocidic war and never invaded Don Donetsk in 2014, no one would be dying at all. Mm. Let's see what this person said. But the Ukrainian war crime has not appeared in any of the Western rags or the BBC because the reporting is biased, one-sided. Well, and that's true. You're right. Um. Anyway, point being is this. The missile strike that hit Poland, right? Remember, talked about not too long ago, killed the uh, two farmers right there in Poland. Zelensky, Russia, Russia did it. Look, they killed those people. It was all Russia. Oh, wait, it was us. And I said back then, that was probably two weeks ago when I did that episode. Why isn't he being talked about for war crimes? And then they start trending. I'm not saying I started the trend, but I'm saying I started the trend. It's like he's using his military to fund something... <laughs> And, I, and I've been saying this. I have not been a fan of this war. And I'm not sitting there saying, I'm not stroking uh, Putin. I'm not saying Putin's a great guy in all this. I'm not saying that. We don't know what the hell's going on. We don't know what we don't know because we're never going to know. We're never going to know the truth. Okay? Even if Russia takes over Ukraine, you're never going to know the truth. You know, when Russia went into Crimea, there was a blip of people being upset and then it went away. Right? Why is this? I mean, because Nike wants all the Ukraine. All all they're really going after is the Donbass and and the Don the Donetsk regions, because those people want to not be a part of Ukraine. They'd rather be Russian. So that was the same thing with Crimea. Of course, the Western media blew it up into the fact that Russia was invading and doing these things. But in actuality, it's these people don't want to be part of Ukraine because they see what's going on. And uh, on a side note, like, for example, in eastern Oregon, right, there's a few counties in that part of the state that want to leave Oregon and become part of Idaho. It's, it's a similar situation. They're sick of the bullshit that's going on at the state capitol in, in Oregon and what the, the people in Portland decide for the state of Oregon, that part of the state in eastern Oregon, they don't agree with that. But, of course, they're outnumbered by the western part of Oregon when it comes to voting for governors and, and whatnot, that their vote essentially doesn't count. And they want to you know, leave 
secede from Oregon and become part of Idaho. Obviously, that probably won't happen, but nonetheless, it's it's a similar situation where you have this part of this country doesn't agree with what's going on in Kiev and what what uh, Zelensky's doing and what's going on in there, and they want to be part of Russia. They're they're mainly Russian anyway, so we want to just be Russia. Russia's like cool, and Ukraine's like no. Well, when it was Crimea before before uh, Zelensky was president, no one really batted an eye. It was a it was a hit on the news for like a day or two, and kind of went away. Why has this blown up? In my opinion, it's because Zelensky's trying to get paid. We've talked about this also, where he's has ties to Sam Bankman-Fried, who was recently arrested, and I have opinions on that. But that'll probably have to be a show for another day, because I'm not nowhere done, dear, near done with Zelensky's punk ass. But um, in taking money that, that we're giving him, this our country, and that's just the United States. What about the rest of the world? I talked about the uh, the the fundraising thing that he had with the Balenciaga uh, executive director, whatever, where they've raised a couple hundred million. You know what I'm saying? They're just getting money hand over fist. And they're maybe using half of that to you know, fight, quote-unquote, their, their war. When essentially, it's almost like they're killing their own people. They're bombing their own people to get more money. And they're they're lobbing a few mu- missiles at um, at Poland to get the rest of the world involved to make more money. This isn't about Ukrainian sovereignty and Ukrainian freedom. Just look at the way he runs the country. He doesn't care about freedom. He cares about money. He's he's greedy. And and this probably sums it up. Pretty well. Going to Ukraine are not free their loans, which Ukraine will default on, and they come with neoliberal strings attached. If you listen to the economists, Ukraine is marked for a nightmare round of shock therapy, a sell-off of public land, deregulation of labour, sale of public assets, on it goes. The country's future is being sold to finance a proxy war that's tearing it apart. And of course the loans have preconditions that Ukraine must uphold democracy and rule of law, but since the tap was turned on, Zelensky has banned most opposition parties, shuttered the media, attack trade unions and workers' rights, but the billions keep flowing. This is a country, our Court of Auditors have said, was a country accused of grand corruption. And on it goes while the EU policy seems designed to prevent peace and keep the war going at all costs as long as ordinary people pay. So between Russian tanks and European banks, there will be little left of Ukraine when this is over. Don't forget, war is a racket and there's going to be hell to pay for this. So, there you go. Now, I don't know. This lady's obviously over in in Europe somewhere. Sounded kind of Scottish, maybe. So, whatever, whatever. So, obviously, this is not a me, the don't tread America guy, bitching because I'm American and this is bullshit. This is going on. This is in Europe. They're bitching about it. Ukraine, prior to Zelensky has been known as a corrupt country, right? 
what did what did Biden do back when the whole Burisma thing was blowing up? And I can't think of the guy that was the fucking president before. But nonetheless, he goes over there, you know, tells the prosecutor or the, uh, you know, the the president there, you're not getting the money unless you fire the prosecutor that was investigating Burisma. You know, the that's where the quid pro Joe crap came from. It's because they're corrupt. They've been a corrupt country for years. Okay? Zelensky was placed as president. He goes in, essentially, pulls a George Soros uh, situation. He's shutting down all opposition, all opposition media. Now he's going after religion. Killing his own people. Why? So he can keep making money. It's not about the. It's not, it's not about war. It's not. It's not about what we're being told. And the reason I feel confident in saying that is because um, if it were about war and these people, these poor people in this country dying, and if those were deaths on behalf of Russia. You can't honestly think here for a second that we wouldn't be involved more so than we are. More so than just funding. Look what Saddam Hussein did. Look what they did in... Uh, I mean, <laughs> we're not a country that's just going to stand by. Right? Throw a couple million, a couple billion dollars at, at a problem. As sooner or later we're going to get involved. Especially when innocent civilians start dying. But the fact that these innocent civilians are dying at the hands of its own leaders puts him in a class of Hitler, in my opinion. And then I'll read this article. Now this, you know, is from the Reading Junkie. Okay? Now this is a... Uh, a uh, just a person's blog, essentially. So Zelensky is the new Hitler... And Nazis are globalists. Western mainstream media outlets habitually refer to Ukraine Nazi in softer terms like right-wing nationalists. However, counterintuitive this might seem, Nazism is not nationalism. If anything, it's the opposite of nationalism. Here's why. Let's compare Hitler to Zelensky. Can we truly call them nationalist? I think these two... Are um, are actually have a lot in common. They're both Nazis. Of course, Hitler's dead, and Zelensky is probably about to be dead. But beyond that, they were both bright, intelligent guys who loved attention, and they were both put in a similar situation with Russia, and both made the same choice. Zelensky made the same choice as Hitler. Not only that, what happened with Zelensky, I think, actually provides some thoughts, some insights into Hitler as well. First, Hitler, you know, let's look at the parallel universe where Hitler is, was a nationalist, not a Nazi. This different Hitler does, doesn't even have to be a good guy, just not a Nazi. A normal guy trying to do what's best for Germany. Now, put yourself... In this Hitler's shoes in 1941. 
Wouldn't anyone remotely sensible person have finished crushing Great Britain? Instead, he did the opposite and started a second front. This choice led to Germany being conquered and millions of Germans being killed. The damage to Germany went deeper than deaths and destruction. The idea of German pride and patriotism was permanently tainted. How could Hitler have been doing what was best for Germany and if his actions directly resulted in Germany's destruction and subordination? Even if he was just a greedy dictator, that still doesn't add up. It's the whole point of being a dictator that you get to stay in powerful life and die in bed, suiciding yourself in a bunker while your captain or your while your capital is being destroyed isn't exactly a success story. Now let's look at Zelensky. Ukraine had every chance to be a strong, independent country. They were given every chance to be independent until February twenty fourth before the first Russian soldier crossed the border. At any time until that last moment, Zelensky could have established Ukraine as an independent, prosperous foreign nation. Instead, he did the opposite. Now, it's come out in Zelensky's own words that the Ukraine had been refused a roadmap into NATO. Um, so, you know, a lot of people have critiqued the U.S., Germany, and NATO for not giving Russia for not giving Russia a guarantee that Ukraine would not join. And, you know, that is interesting, but completely missing the point. I don't think such a guarantee would have prevented Russia military action. Only one country could save Ukraine from destruction, and that's Ukraine. Only Ukraine could promise Ukraine would never join NATO. More importantly, only Ukraine could stop shelling civilians in Donbass and start respecting the Minsk Agreement. Hitler could have saved Germany, instead he destroyed it. Likewise, Zelensky could save Ukraine. When he is told that Ukraine couldn't join NATO, there was a very obvious alternative, and uh, Zelensky has no excuse for not taking it. He himself could have assured Russia of Ukraine's neutrality, take this a further step why do russia and ukraine have to be antagonistic relationship anyway if ukraine is truly a sovereign nation then she should be just she would be free to choose her own allies including russia um it amazes me that we have millions of of analysts and they are so blinded by ideology and hatred they have less common sense than a child imagine if you're playing a strategy board game with your family you hold ukraine while your sister holds russia and your brother holds europe um you know you can't win without an ally so you ask for a partnership with your brother in europe who refuses again you know you can't win without an ally and one of your two choices already refused wouldn't any reasonable person even a child be smart enough to ask for alliance with your sister russia so I have to ask, why didn't Zelensky ask for alliance with Russia? Well, for the same reason Hitler didn't. Um, and if that question sounds strange to you, it shouldn't. So when the Battle of Britain started to go poorly, imagine if Hitler was sensible and pro, uh, pro, pro, pragmatic leader. 
Think of all the sensible solutions that he could have come up with. Why didn't Germany bring the Soviet Union back to the negotiation table? Why not say, hey, Poland thing worked out pretty good. Uh, the British are really annoying and nobody likes them. Sell us some more steel and oil so we can get rid of them. The longer Hitler spent fighting other Europeans, the more time the Soviets had to prepare their defenses. And uh, if he had offered further economic cooperation to beat up Churchill, who's to say the Soviets would have refused? But of course, that help would have come at a price. If Hitler spent another year or two subjugating Britain, it would have been too late to invade Soviet Union. They would have finished modernizing their army and no invasion could have worked. At the end of the day, Hitler had to make a choice. He could defeat Britain or he could defeat Soviet, but not both. So Hitler had to give up on the Battle of Britain and attack the Soviets while he still could. So you have to ask, what did Hitler know that we don't? Who was pressuring him to do that? What promises were made to him behind closed doors? So in short, Hitler had his chance to do uh, his master's bidding and destroy the Soviet Union by December of 41. He had screwed that up. There was no recovery from that. He was doomed. And the only question left was how much damage could he have done, do on his way down. But still, even while technically an enemy, nobody in the West even tried hard to stop him. After all, there's no Western Front until June, 60, uh, June 6th of 1944. Every school child in the West, probably the whole world, has taught the story about Hitler being a madman. And it doesn't make any sense. If Hitler was crazy and stupid, nobody would have listened to him. He would have never risen to power. Now, as silly and appalling as this sounds... I have to go back to an underlying issue. Why was Hitler bad? This should go without saying, but people seem to get uh, get it wrong and more often than they used to. Um, so, I'm going to read a quote here. Professional hater uh, Julia Lof, uh, prof I'm sorry, professional Russian hater, who has repeatedly and endlessly compares the Russian operation in Ukraine to the Holocaust. Um, and so we'll, we'll say this, Hitler wasn't bad because he invaded other countries. Yes, war is bad, but it isn't that bad. There are thousands of famous leaders throughout history have fought wars and aggression are still celebrated as heroes. If invading other countries was a bad thing, then Hitler ever, it was the only bad thing Hitler ever did. There would be statues of him in Berlin. Hitler was bad because he could kill tens of millions of people. <laughs> why, uh, you know, why do I have to explain this to a professional? Um, here's the truth. Hitler wasn't a nationalist. He was a globalist. <coughs> Excuse me. He served the interests of the collective West. German nationals, uh, nationalism was nice. He paid lip service to it. But Hitler always sub subordinated the interest of Germany to the interest of the collective West. More respectfully, he obeyed the commands of the Western bankers. There is nothing worse for a country of Nazism. Germans had every right to be angry, and of course they wanted a strong leader who would say a lot of national nationalistic things and start standing up for Germany. Hitler was a Trojan horse. 
On the surface, he looked like a perfect candidate. He spoke of a strong, rejuvenated Germany, and with a normal German person, had a lot of reason to like him. But in reality, Hitler didn't have any ideas of his own and was pawn of outside forces. He preached hate and racism, and there was no substance to his ideas. He reached for the easiest, lowest common denominator of human nature, finding someone else to hate and blame them for your problems. Just think about it. I don't care about the theory. This isn't an issue that needs to be overcomplicated. Just think in practical, common sense terms. What happened in Nazi Germany? Destroyed. Subordinated. What is happening to Ukraine now? Destroyed and subordinated. There are more examples. Um, in Poland, you know, their government's actions in 1939 resulted in their country being destroyed and subordinated. The same thing happened to Mussolini's regime in Italy, destroyed and subordinated. Or, um, you know, also the Polish government in exile in 1944. Again, why instigate a doomed rebellion in Warsaw and deliberately refuse to coordinate with the advancing Soviet forces? I'm not, you know, not mincing words here. Polish authorities tricked their own people into dying by the thousands for no reasons. And they did it all from the safety of their London penthouses. What kind of government does, you know, something like that? If their plan was to show Stalin that they were retarded and couldn't be trusted, we'll call it a success. Or how about the hungry and fascists in 1944? Um, what's the point of seizing power and starting genocide right when you're about to get steamrolled by the Red Army? If Nazis are nationalists, they're really bad at their job. No nation can adopt Nazism and cannot be destroyed. But why? There's the underlying poison nature of Nazism that brings death to anyone who adapts it. Every nation, national idea, no matter how objectively bad it was, had something good about it, but not na uh, Nazism. There was nothing good about it. Nobody can look at Germany's... No nation can adopt Nazism, no, not be destroyed, but why? Here's the underlying poison nature of Nazism that brings death to anyone who adapts it. Every national idea, no matter how objectively bad it was, had something good about it, but not Nazism. There was nothing good about it. Nobody can look at Nazi, uh, Germany's Nazi era and think of even one good thing from it. The problem of the idea of Nazism is that it isn't any idea at all. It is an ideology built on opposition against other ideology. So, essentially, you have a person in, in Zelensky who's doing the same things to his country that Hitler did to, to Germany, that Poland did, that these different countries did. And then you, you can also even ask the question, you know, we get involved in different situations, you know, in reading that. And you look at, we got involved in the war in Europe in, in the 1940s. Why didn't we get involved in the war? Because essentially what Russia did after World War II or in the, the, 
the dusk of World War II, was invaded these countries to the west of Russia, Poland, Ukraine, not Ukraine, but Poland and Hungary and all these these uh, these countries to uh, for Russia to be able to take them over in the wake of what Germany did to these countries. But we didn't even bat an eye at that. So, I think, you know, you have to ask the question, what, what is this all about? What is this really all about? It's about money. And I'm going to end it on this. So, I, I found this article in searching stuff. It just popped up. Like, it's one of those things, you know, when you're putting in a, in a search engine, you're like, you start to type whatever. And, uh you know, kind of finishes the sentence for you, right? <laughs> so the question is, does Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky own a $35 million villa in the free state of Florida? <laughs> now, uh, I'm going to read this. So at the heels of the Russian invasion of Ukraine February 4th, some social media users circulate a post alleging that Ukrainian President owned a $35 million home in Florida. The posts were shared in an attempt to criticize Zelensky as it became the face of the fierce resistance against Russia. Um, for example, the conspiratorial website, Shit Hits the Fan, is, um, ran a headline March of 22 stating Zelensky found a billion dollars and a billion villa in Miami. As it was, uh, as its source, the website cited the Ukrainian legislator who was stripped of it. So, is using a source, I can't say the name, so I'm not going to try, but this person was a Ukrainian legislator who was stripped of lawmaking status by the Ukrainian parliament for parroting Russian propaganda talking points. The article claims Zelensky accumulated $1.2 billion in offshore accounts during his presidency and managed to buy a villa in Miami for $34 million, as well as several sets of jewelry for $5.6 million. Zelensky's... Uh, Panama Papers revelations. Fact-checking website Snopes said he could not collaborate this claim, but noted that when the above accusation was made, Ukraine was in the midst of war with Russia, and uh, Zelensky had become an international hero after a display of courage by staying in Kiev and leading from the front despite the reports that Russia assassins were trying to kill him. In October of 21, Zelensky's financial dealings did appear in a series of documents leaked as part of the so-called quote-unquote Pandora Papers. The papers consisted of nearly 12 million files that were leaked to the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists, sourced um, from companies that provided corporate service in offshore jurisdictions, according to the Organized Crime and Corruption Reporting Project. The trove of files made public in late of 21 revealed some of the secret financial dealings of world leaders and celebrities, including Zelensky. The Guardian, which analyzed the, the files as part of a global investigation, reported on October 3rd that uh, Zelensky had a previously undisclosed stake in an offshore company that it appears to have secretly transferred to a friend week before winning the presidential vote. Now, I talked about that on one of the shows about the uh, the uh, TV companies and whatnot that he owned. According to the uh, Guardian article, 
His other disclosed assets included Carr's property and three co-owned offshore companies, one Film Heritage, which he held jointly with his wife, Oli, Oli Alina, and another Cavartal 95, registered in Belize. Uh, Zelensky apparently filed a disclosed that Film Heritage had a 25% stake in Davergara, a Cyprus holding company. Davergara in turn owns Maltex, a multi-capital corp, and various uh, unknown entity registered in the tax haven of the British Virgin Islands. Zelensky and Schiffer brothers and Yakolev each held 25% stake in Maltex. Shortly before the elect, uh, Ukrainian election in 19, Zelensky, Zelensky quietly gifted his stake to his business party and soon-to-be top presidential aide, uh, the revelations were uh, embarrassing for Zelensky as he ran for president on an anti-corruption campaign. That said, as of publishing, there are no evidence of indications that Zelensky uh, suggests that Zelensky owns a the property in Florida. But as we can see, he obviously likes to uh, cover his financial transaction transactions. So who's to say he doesn't? Anyway, I just think this whole thing. Is about money. It's. Uh, I think that's a safe bet to say. I think anyone that supports this this farce of a quote unquote war in Ukraine is an idiot. I'm sorry. I'll say it. I don't care. You're a moron if you think that what's going on in there is is the evil dictator Putin trying to invade the small pissant country of Ukraine and kill innocent Ukrainians. I'd venture a, a wager that at least. Um, a chunk of those people that are being killed are being killed by their own, if not more than half. I can't prove that, but I'm just throwing a guess out there, and I wouldn't be surprised that I'm right. Because we've seen the videos, we've seen the evidence, we've heard the, the Azov Battalion. Now, we think of a battalion might be relatively small, might be 500,000 men. That's the bulk of their army. It's not a battalion like we think of a battalion in America. I mean, it's called a battalion, so we think of it as just being a small, like a 500-man battalion. It's it's not it's not like that over there, okay? So when you sit there and say that these people are Nazis, and there's stories that'll tell you that these people come, their lineage comes from Germany, that the, these kids that are that are fighting in this battalion. Uh, it's not like joining the army or the Marines or whatever, and you go to school and you, you, you're going to be an in infantry, you're going to be aware, you know, whatever your case is, and you're placed wherever. It's not like that. This is a situation of, oh, your grandfather was, uh, you know, Heinz Strein's McGillicuddy in Germany. When the shit hit the fan in Germany, these guys bugged out. Some went to Argentina. Some went to Ukraine, right? It's those types of situations. Oh, it's a lineage thing. I mean, where have we seen lineage things work out for, for the youngers before, right? Every country does them. Every society does them. These people that are in the Azov Battalion are ensconced. In Nazism. It's not like it's an idea. It's a way of life. So, 
Anywho, with that being said, guys, I'm glad to be back. And uh, today is Wednesday, um, December 14th, 2022. And I will be back for sure on Friday. I have a feeling. I feel pretty good. So, and if I get a wild hair up my ass tomorrow and I, and I want to do a 10, 20 minute, you know, get off my lawn segment, then look for it. And the best way to know if those are coming or not coming is if you subscribe to the channel, guys. Just hit that little subscribe button. You'll get an alert whenever, uh, whenever I post something. And uh, follow us on social media. I know I didn't talk about that earlier, but uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and the ticker talker at Don't Tread on America. Check out our website at, at uh, DontTreadOnAmerica.com. And on uh, the, the, the Twitter machine at DTOM underscore 1775. Other than that, I think me and Chris are trying to do a Christmas special. So maybe we'll get that done next week. We'll have to see how things go at work. But nonetheless, uh, glad to be back. Glad for you to have me back. And I will talk to you again on Friday, if not sooner. You guys have a great day and uh, be safe out there.